Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry here in Portland, Oregon. And really I'm cool things. David Libby. And I am the other guy. And today we're here with Lexi Harris, who goes by Lexi and only Lexi, never <laughs> Alexis and never Lex. Um, how are you doing, Lexi? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're so yeah. excited to have you here. So tell us, um, you, you're you with Because People Matter. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how long you've been working with them. Yes. Because People Matter is a nonprofit organization here in Portland. The best city in the world, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we... We do all sorts of different things. Our motto is loving people because people matter. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think that is the heartbeat of everything we do. We focus a lot on mobilization. So volunteerism is a huge part of what we do. Development, uh, making sure that just everybody that comes to us, whether it's the staff or donors, volunteers, the people we serve, that we are developing them in some way, same, some sort of way. And then, uh, relief. We engage with the houseless. We serve them underneath the Burnside bridge once a week. Uh, we also do B town kids, which Josh is the site lead for in quotation marks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The site lead. Um, and that B town kids is awesome. I like to describe it as just a big, community picnic barbecue party yeah it's party a, it's a big yeah. like, two-hour party right uh, on absolutely that's all yeah. it is uh but it's awesome because it's for some of the people we serve it's the only time that the family actually comes together and has a meal together or honestly some of the kids that we serve it's the only meal that they're getting on a weekend and so it's just a really beautiful to come together as a community and be with one with another and i think all of the events and programs we do, that is a part of it. It's a big community event of serving and loving on one another, whether it's you're receiving a meal because you need it or you're receiving a meal because you're hanging out with your best buds in some some way. Um, I, I think, uh, just to go a little bit on a sidetrack, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, well, that but did not take long because <laughs> here we go <laughs> because people matter. Like it's the, that volunteer experience I yeah. think is, is unbelievable. And I may just say maybe the best in the world. Um, Ooh. and well, because it's in Portland and it's the best in Portland mm. and because yes, Portland's yes. the best city of the world. Um, you, you follow my logic, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like how, to talk a little bit about that and let's go back to your experience. Cause you yes. was your first exposure to because people matter as a volunteer or as an intern and yes. talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Did Steven tell you to no. have me talk about this? Oh, <laughs> then that's great. <laughs> so me. Yeah. So I volunteered, uh, and I would agree. I think our volunteer experience is really good for many different reasons. We empower really well, yeah. but then also we make serving just really simple. Uh, my first experience was at Night Strike back in 2014. And before I had come down to volunteer, I had met Marshall at a camp. And Marshall's the Marshall is the, the founder, founder of Because People Matter. And we just meshed really well. Our personalities were super similar. And he invited me to come down and volunteer. And I did. I brought a friend. We showed up late. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Uh, And this was back when you don't like pre-sign up for what station you were going to serve at. You just showed up and whatever was there you got. Well, because we showed up late, there was two positions left. And they were both foot washing, and I didn't want to be there. I, when I found out we were going to be at foot washing, I looked at my friend Grace, and I was like, we can leave. We'll just sh- we'll come next week. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this. I'd rather be at food or something different. Um, that's, a, that's a tough one. Like, yeah. um, there's, I'd say probably half of the people are, like, really not feet people yes i just i mean not people to, are or they aren't not to <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um the, 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 i'm just gonna i'm just gonna breeze right by that um 
I no, I mean like you know how people are basically cool with everything, but for some reason feet is the one that yeah. you just can't do. And yet you think about what it's like to to be houseless. You're you're on your feet all the time. You're yeah. like you don't get showers very often. Like no. that it's a it's a big deal foot washing. It so really got, is. You got stuck with that, huh? I got stuck with that one. Neat. And in all honesty, almost the whole time I hated it. Yeah. I wanted to leave. I was like, I don't think this is fun or mm. it's cool for someone else, but I don't want to be here. Mm. And then we had we were the evening was almost done. Like we were getting ready to wrap up and this gentleman on a bike comes pulling up and asks me, "Do you have time for one more foot washing?" I, cuz I didn't want to be there, was <laughs> like Sorry, dude. No, no, we don't. <laughs> and this the station lead though was like, no, no, Lex, we got we got time for one more. Go ahead. And like on my insides, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> On the outside, I'm like, cool. Take a seat. Let me get you some more water. Really not wanting to do it, but I did it, and then. He sits down and I start washing his feet and he just takes this deep breath like you knew the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. And as he was like exhaling, it just like you could see him releasing it. And he just started unpacking his whole life. I don't I don't think I asked him a single question. He just started talking which was great for me because <laughs> I didn't want to be there at that point. And so I just, I wanted to just get through it, but luckily he just started unloading his life. And as he began to share, he was very vulnerable in sharing that he was an addict and that was something he struggled with a very long time and that he had a daughter who he hadn't seen or talked to in a really long time. And it was at that point where our stories kind of collided because I'm a daughter of an addict. And at that point in my time, at that point in my life, my dad and I didn't have a good relationship. And I think we'd gone many months, if not a whole year, really without talking more than just like in passing. And so I'm looking at this man who's sharing this, this very vulnerable part of his life and me knowing my story. I'm like, it's like fitting like a beautiful puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. And I had this moment as he was sharing very out of body experience where I'm just like taken out of my body and I'm hovering over watching myself serving this gentleman who could very much be my father. Like literally the way the stories fit, it was really kind of crazy. And I felt God ask me a set of questions. He asked Alexis. Did he use that name? (laughs) <laughs> come back to the name I don't remember no I don't remember I, I mean yes maybe maybe he did say Lexi <laughs> a Portland prophecy uh, it's gonna be my uh, it's gonna be my biography <laughs> um, but anyway uh, God asked me a set of questions he was like Alexis do I love this man in front of you and I was like yeah God of course you do He's your child. Why wouldn't you? And then he asked Alexis, do I love your father, my heavenly father? Mm. And I was like, Ugh, yeah, God. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and then he goes, Alexis, do you love your earthly father? And I was like, damn. <laughs> but yes, because he's my dad. I've always loved my dad. Yeah. And even though I was upset with him, I still loved him. Mm-hmm. So I said, yes. And then God finally asked, he's like, will you love my children with me? And like, I'm taken back into this, back into my body. And this man who I just met sharing his whole life and I had shared my whole life and we're both weeping together in this very beautiful moment, very vulnerable, very like, dude, I love you, even though you remind me a lot of my father. And at that point in time, I was not Mm good with my dad and vice versa. And it just was this very beautiful moment. And I've never seen that man again. I look for him all the time, hoping maybe, maybe I will. Um, But I walked away from that evening 
completely a different person. Like at that point I was pursuing nursing. And when I went back to college, I was like, this is not where I am supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be here. Like there's a bridge in Portland, Oregon with a bunch of random strangers that need me more than this class. So that's when I fell in love with BPM. Mm. Man, that's that's such a such a powerful line. Um will will you love my kids with me? Yeah. Um that's a mm. that's a big deal. Um I want to go back just a little bit. Um yeah. but tell me like if you don't want to share we can cut that's this okay. out or whatever. Um but you said you're the daughter of an addict and like I, that's, that's one of those like taboo things that like Mm -hmm. people sometimes don't talk about. Like, what's it like, uh, growing up in a situation like that and, um, how, what's been the impact, you know, uh, growing older in that situation? Cause again, it's taboo, but it's also a whole lot more common than, um, than maybe we would think. think. Yeah. I'm totally comfortable talking about it. Um, my dad is an alcoholic and a narcotic abuser. He has been relatively sober for a few years now. Um, but I use relatively because he will drink on the occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, which that is his his own choices and life. <laughs> um, but for my whole life, he was an al- alcoholic, definitely. Um, and then in my teenagers, teenage years, I would say that's when he was abusing narcotics after um, a car accident. Mm. Um, It's it's not easy. Not easy being the child of an addict. And my mom, I would say, is a workaholic. And so because home life was not fun, you know, especially for my poor mom being married to an alcoholic. They were were together then. Yeah, they were together at that point in time. Okay, Uh, They did divorce when I was eight or ten. I don't know. All those years blur. Um, You know, and mind you, it was my dad wasn't willing to get sober and my mom didn't want to come home from work to deal with the crap. And so honestly, as the eldest child and I have a younger brother, I became a parent really quick, like Mm -hmm. from a really young age, um, raising my brother. And there were times after my parents were divorced where I definitely had an identity crisis in the point of at dad's house, I'm the only parent. Mm. I help cook meals. If it's a rough night, I make sure things are cleaned up. I make sure Gabe, my brother, is in bed. Things are done. Like definition of parenthood. (laughs) That was me. And then would go to mom's house and she would choose when I got to be parent. If she wanted to be present, she was mom. But if she was busy with work and wanted to cope by disappearing, then I could be mom. And so I grew up in this, it felt like, like four different worlds. Like Mm. everybody else got to choose who I got to be. And uh, from other friends that I have that grew up with alcoholic parents or parents who were addicts, very similar story. They never knew who they were going to be and they had to be ready like that to switch you know, it could be, it's a really good night, so it's okay, you can be you. Yeah. Or it's a rough night, or things are just different, and you've got to, like, be ready to go, constantly walking on eggshells. And that made early adulthood, even though I'm still in early adulthood, but um, really weird. It was hard. Like, when I I went to college in Seattle, I think it was the first time where I realized I could be me. But then I realized I don't know who me is because I've had everybody else identify Mm -hmm. who me is. And so it was a weird exploration of discovering who I am for the first time. Yeah, it sounds like you you kind of had to grow all the way up like you started early adulthood at 10. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Adulthood in a lot of ways is about. Um, 
fitting your your personality and your characteristics to the situation you're in. Yeah. Like you, I have to be um, work David is a different David than home David is. Like yeah. that, that's just um, a reality. Ideally, um, you know, our values or intentions wouldn't change, but we have to be different people. You don't think of children having to go through that very much, but it sounds like you did kind of, yeah. you, you had to be a grown ass adult, <laughs> right? Like early on. And so I could see going to college, um, becoming quite a different thing. You're, you're, you're accustomed to adapting to different situations. Yeah. And I could see you being like, well, who the hell am I then? Yeah. Who, what, what is Lexi? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I've never known. No idea. I've had a lot of people, um, before I went through like trying to heal myself the last several years, people would call me a chameleon. Cause in, not that I was like fake, mm -hmm. but I could fit in anywhere because I've always had to. Mm -hmm. And so I learned how to be a chameleon. We're here, then I'm purple. If we're there, then I'm green. <laughs> um, had to mesh to the surroundings to survive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, dude. That's such a, that's such a hard situation. Like, I mean, I, I want to say in, in your professional role mm -hmm. there's some some professional good there yeah but at the same time there's just this this tragedy also that something was was taken some like uh like important developmental piece um was was missing in those especially teenage years yeah you don't you don't get to be so much a rebel teenager. I mean, you probably were because everyone has <laughs> yeah. to do some. Like, you're, you're kind of an a-hole as a teenager. Like, that's just what people are. Yeah. But uh, but you also had to grow all the way up right away. You had to become, like, an, uh, a responsible adult at a pretty young age. Like, that's there. there's some tragedy to that. And yeah. Something that, like, I can look at you and say, man, you you got through that, and that's amazing. A, a lot of people still reel from that well into adulthood. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's tragic, but it's also not necessarily their fault. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so hard. I just, I just find this yeah. so fascinating. You, you can't blame yeah. those that can't get over those traumas right because that's what it is it's traumatic yeah. to go through all of those and i think that's where everybody's different yeah. and honestly i just i got lucky yeah. i got lucky yeah. where i had different outlets and different support in a community outside of my family that when things were rough they could see it and help identify it and yeah. come to me and be like hey I think you just need a safe space. Also, I think um, this is this is one of those things where, in this situation in particular, I feel like you, as an Enneagram Eight, <laughs> yes. a challenger, can um, are more uh, built to beast through something like that. Yeah, as opposed to me, who I think I'm a nine. I think <laughs> I don't know. Still I, figuring it I, I'm, out. I'm going I'm with still this. Still not sure because you and um, Janelle and Derek are all nines mostly. The yeah. three other staff, and I'm an eight, and so I think it takes three nines to be a co <laughs> to hold back an eight. Hold back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good to know. I'll need to start <laughs> yeah. putting and surrounding yeah, myself surround yourself with nines. With nines Lex. <laughs> yeah. no, Lex it, is an eight too. That's what yeah. that. Just to be to be clear, it pisses Josh off to <laughs> be surrounded by three people who are like, "You're like what you're talking about is gonna hurt some people," and we're <laughs> like in like it's important stuff, but Slow it down. it's also aggravating. Um, yeah, I think I think someone tell me what to do. Someone with your um, <laughs> intentions or urges can uh, get through something of that kind but i think about how many aren't aren't wired in the same way and how it could just completely crush someone like that yeah mm. 
I mean, so. I serve people who it has completely crushed them. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. stunted them into being a position no one ever hopes or dreams of being in. Yeah. So so, so you went to school in Seattle. Yes. And then how like you were you were volunteering here. When did you get hooked up here? You haven't been with BPM very long, have you? Uh, four years. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize I, it was yeah. It, wow. I feel like I got here yesterday and also that I've been here for Forever. like 10 years. Wow. Like, is how okay. I feel about it. I I met you last year. So I yes. I just, I I had the vibe. I knew you'd been commuting in from Longview. That was you, right? Yes, yeah. that was me. So, I was doing that yeah, for a while. I knew that, but I didn't think it had been that long. Yeah, and then well, she found a, a really cool person who had an apartment for rent. Yeah, yeah. and her it stupid was... husband. <laughs> <laughs> Lexi lives with wife. Josh and Lauren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and her stupid husband. That was good, David. Nice that job. Really I've got good. a pretty quick wit. <laughs> um. Love it. So good. Um, so, Lex, you work. I like. We could talk about B Town Kids forever because that's a little bit more my passion. But yeah. Um, but I want to go back to that night strike moment and the the people. Um, the people that BPM serves. Um, are often the, the houseless, the marginalized. And you said when God was speaking to you, Lex or Alexis, <laughs> will, will you love my children with me? Yeah. And how, how did maybe, how did that? And then how has, how has that continued to change mm. how you see the people you serve? Yes. You see, like seeing them as God's children, mm-hmm. as real people whom God loves too, who are worth loving, versus seeing them as yeah vagabonds or yeah you know, people living on the street. They're cast off by society. Yeah, I think. I mean, for one, I I grew up with the typical stereotypes built into me around those who are struggling with houselessness. And so to have that moment of realization of like, oh, they're just like me. Mm. God loves me. God loves my family. God loves these people. And it felt very much like this calling. I know we're all called to love God's children, but because it was attached to this experience around houselessness, it felt like this calling of like, no, you're meant to be here loving and seeing these people beyond just what society wants us to see or what the world deems them to be. But these are all human beings. And it's like when, when you take a moment to have a conversation or look beyond, you know, maybe someone who is unshowered or looks a little rough and you realize that they have a story They have humor. They have desires. They have dreams. And who am I to say they're unlovable? That's not my job. My job, especially as a child of God, is to partner with God and show up for these people Mm -hmm. in whatever way I can. The the story piece, I think, is a big one, too, and the getting to know them as people. I remember um, this isn't about a houseless person but i remember working with the um when i when i graduated college i worked at kfc for two years because i was a youth pastor and (laughs) youth pastoring pays no money and so i was i was doing kfc on the side and i worked with this girl who was the worst person i think i've ever met like just super mean all the time to everybody forever and it was just miserable Mm. working with her for months and months but she knew I was a youth pastor Uh, she knew like I I'm a pretty good listener I mean I just kind of do that well we got put on cleanup um on dishes together which is a two and a half hour job it can be 
Um, and so maybe only two hours. It was a long job. And I was like, well, crap. It was it was late at night, and I didn't want to see or talk to her, so I wasn't saying anything to her. And she didn't, like, out of nowhere, it was just like that dude that you didn't ask yeah. a question to. Out of nowhere, within about a five-minute span, she starts talking to me, and she shares that she um, moonlights as a stripper, mm. that she um, does crack, crack cocaine, and that um, that her boyfriend has been uh, beating her and abusing her. All of that within about five minutes. And yeah. the, the, the crazy thing is, like, we became friends after that. Mm. No, like, not great friends. She was still terrible. <laughs> um, but, like... But, like, we'd chat and we'd talk and we'd be okay. Like, something about once you get the story, mm. the other stuff kind of doesn't matter as much. Or mm. at least you you understand it and, like, so it softens it all. Yeah. I, I, remember, mm. I remember after that, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't read any of the Harry Potter series at that point. And in the first book... Um, Hermione is comes off as really terrible yeah. and like and like mean and stuff. But after the troll attack and they all get by, uh, J.K. Rowling writes this little line in the book and it says like, after you go through something with someone, mm -hmm. you just like mm. all of those things that you worried about really don't matter as much yeah. anymore. And I felt that at the time about this girl, and I feel like with with houseless folks that are around our church. Um, after I talk to them for a bit, like some of that annoyance just goes away. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. You see their humanity. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long road back to there, but <laughs> no, it's, it's good though. Cause I mean, that's the reality. Like our world wants us to put everybody in a box mm -hmm. and judge them quickly by their clothes, by whether they're annoying, are they a hard worker, are they lazy? But like the reality, we go for ahead. me, uh, annoying, yes; <laughs> hard worker, no; lazy, yes. There you go. I'm glad <laughs> you could answer all those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, everybody comes with a story, and everybody mm -hmm. has what's gotten them today. Maybe their annoyance is actually a symptom of trauma. Mm. Maybe the fact that they're lazy is because that's what they were taught, you know, and we don't give our background stories enough power. And so many people, they're quick to judge versus I'm going to take the time to hear you yeah. so that I can actually see you. And even if it's a person that you're like, you know, what? I probably will never hear their story, mm. but it's having that assumption of, you know what? I bet they've lived a life. Mm. Therefore, I'm going to enter into engaging with them with their humanity first yeah. versus their humanity only if and when I ever get to hear their story. Like, we don't have a right to that. And you know what? Houseless people have some freaking fun stories. They do. You know what? And, and, and here's the thing. You, you talk to someone and you get to a point where you're like, half of this is bullcrap. I've gotten to the point where I don't even care. Like it's You're <laughs> if, just a great storyteller. If, if I hear someone telling a story about how they like about back in the day when they were a prostitute, like but the way they tell it is like this slow build. <laughs> like it's it's better than TV. Oh yeah. To be clear, it's like there are some of the best storytellers on the streets of Portland, man. They really are. It's, it's pretty incredible. I talked to a gentleman the <laughs> other day who was talking about his experience as being, he was worked on a submarine. Okay. I don't know what you call those people, but he, he worked on a submarine. I don't know if it was yellow or not, but I imagined it was. <laughs> Um, and he had some, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I <laughs> the yellow submarine. Go over. I got you. I got you. Um, but he had some incredible stories about his experience and his time. And there were a couple of us there listening and we all just were like, glued yeah. to him. Like, tell me more, man. I just, 
Like, go ahead. Right. We've got plenty of time. Right. <laughs> like, right. We just wanted and, to hear. And you're thinking simultaneously, why the hell are you telling me this? Like, this has nothing yes. to do with anything. But also, this could be a load of crap. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I couldn't make up a story as well as that. No. Um, and it, it might be real. It might be true. I don't know. It. Who cares? That's <laughs> who not cares? the point half the time. Great story. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My my favorite um uh well my favorite night that I was at Night Strike. So Night Strike is the thing you do on Thursdays yes. under the Burnside Bridge and our youth pastor Derek takes a bunch of youth every so often yeah. and so I've come with them. The best night was this uh where this one lady started she like she didn't corner <laughs> the really young kid like very, very young and innocent kid in our youth group. Just, he just hit the seventh grade. And so he started coming and he came to this night strike and she cornered him. Like we'd been talking to a little group of people and she was telling him the most sordid stories of life on the street that I've ever heard. (laughs) And, and, I could see him like his eyes were huge. He was almost weeping. And so I kind of came in. And yeah, good, listening. good. I thought they were hilarious. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was fun, but I've heard stories, you know, so it's fine. Um, so that made me laugh. But then I got a hard time because the next person I saw, he goes, ah, and I can't remember the name of this place. It wasn't Golden Corral because Golden Corral is the, the, the restaurant Mm -hmm. but it was it was something that i didn't know was uh local like red light type of Mm, type of place and this guy's just really excited he's like i got my ticket for the golden whatever and i was like oh that's awesome (laughs) thinking it's like a shelter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, I got a place to stay tonight. I'm like, yeah, that's that's so cool, man. And and I'm just really excited with him. And we walk off and all of the youth are laughing at me. And I'm like, what's so <laughs> funny? And they're like, that's he's he's going to sleep with a prostitute. That's a that's a that's a prostitute place. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, and you just rooted I, him on. I just rooted him on. I'm like, well, I told him I hope he has fun. So I guess he, I hope he has fun. Like, he will. Uh, yeah. He will be out of the cold. <laughs> like, he will be kept warm. He'll be warm. I. I don't know. It's. It's. Was it good that a pastor cheered that <laughs> on? Probably not. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't know, though. I didn't know, and um, I've thought about this since. Even if I did, he's got a warm place to stay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a, a weird little, tension to hold. It's a little bit morally gray. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want people to not have to sleep on the street. That seems very Jesus-y. If he's going to do so by finding a prostitute. Now... I don't. I'd probably rather he didn't. <laughs> but I'm not gonna force the ticket out of his hand. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and let you just like continue yeah. to justify your emotions I, here. No, I enjoy <laughs> digging my own grave. I have. Yeah. This is what this podcast is for. Good. I, I think that's that's it's fascinating though and interesting and something. I appreciate about because people matter is there is this instinct when we hear a story like that to say, Oh, let me fix your life for you. Mm. Um, let me take that ticket from you. That's not what you really want. We do come in with a very black and white sort of morality. Um, And, (laughs) and that is not, that's not because people matters mission, you know, like we are just going to love people because people matter. And so there's value in, in their story, whatever that story is. And sometimes yeah. that story is going to make us, um, I don't know, maybe cringe or make us like jump to conclusions. Um, but it's still their story. And that, yeah. that becomes the beginning, I think of, of something new. Um, have you, I'm curious, Lex, as you watch people 
going back to the the volunteerism and mm-hmm. again like the thousands tens of thousands and even like over the decade or so like a hundred pl- plus thousand volunteers yeah. um that have come through the the organization um what what do you see in in their in their eyes like do you see that switch happening to them over and over again as they come and as they serve whether it be on a thursday night or whether it be you know on a transformational trip over the stretch of a week um what are some of the experiences some of the the shifts that you see um and the stories that you hear from them yes um i hear similar stories to mine um actually quite often uh, maybe not necessarily as out of body with God, yeah. but just this moment where they realize their story isn't too far off. Or even the truth of that, we're all not too far from mm. houseless being our reality. And it could be this moment of hearing someone's story and maybe the reason that got them on the streets was a medical bill gone wrong and being in debt or all this stuff. And hear this person who maybe is in debt or had just had a medical bill and they're like, Whoo, that could have been me. And this realization of like, here I am judging them thinking that they're some dirt bag addict, lazy dude who doesn't want to do anything about their situation. You know, the typical stereotypes and they're realizing, no, they're human. They had a life. They have a family. They used to have a home. They used to have a really good job and they got laid off. Like, mm-hmm. I think just the realization that a lot of people aren't too far from this reality. I, I heard Stephen Dilworth, who was on last time, and Stephen makes of yours, so many cameo he, appearances. He does. He's, uh, but he he just said a couple of days ago to me. He said, um, like they've been doing studies and whatnot, and he said the the general consensus is. You're one bad accident and three months away from being homeless. Um, yeah. Because, like, the accident will will put you down, um, and you could you could lose your uh, because of your medical bill. Mm-hmm. You then can't pay your rent, so they kick you out. If and and his point was the three months is because like if I if I have that happen, I can sleep at Josh's house. Josh will let me sleep on his couch <laughs> for like. A month. Exactly. But then but then after about a month, he'll be like, you're still here. So he'll kick me out. So I'll go to another friend's house for a couple of weeks. But you burn through those relationships fast. Yep. And then you're on the street. And and the, he said, like, the general consensus is one accident and then three months yeah. and you're gone. Three months is not a long time. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not it's at all. really, really fast. And so, like... The the idea had, that it can happen to anyone is pretty pretty real. It is it's it is real, and I think a lot of people they hear that and they don't get it until one they go through a medical accident themselves, or they're hearing someone like lay it out of how a medical accident and a couple of months of burning a hole in someone's couch yeah. put them right where they're at. Yeah, I had I had a big accident and. My wife kicked me out of the room. I, had to, I did sleep on the couch. Yeah, she doesn't really like you that much, though. No. So I like um, I get it. It's very justifiable, yeah. yeah. And that was, for me, that that was the wake-up call of, like, oh, if it weren't for her. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I'd be yeah. I'd be looking for, uh, yeah, for some something else. Well, so yeah. maybe appreciate to, her a ton. Like, she... She's a nurse anyway, and so she she told me like that part of her training flipped on for that few months, especially that first few months. But like, if you didn't have her right. or someone, if you were single and had the accident you had, you would have oh, to yeah. hire um someone to take care of you because like you'd had to be wheeled to the bathroom, you had to be wheeled to right. the kitchen, you had to have food made for you for a while. Yeah, like I couldn't these, put my clothes on by you myself. You couldn't put your clothes on by yourself. Like these, these things happen. And so the accident doesn't just mean, oh, I need time where I can't go to work. It means you have to pay for outside help. Outside help yeah. isn't cheap. No. And also I think something that's not talked about a lot or realized actually is pride. 
in those moments oh, of sure. if you're going through that, right? Are you really gonna ask no. to crash on your friend's that friend's couch? And if you are, are you gonna actually stay a whole month? Right. Like the reality is no. A lot of the friends that we serve, some of their family members don't even know yeah. that they're struggling with houselessness because they're so prideful. You know, and not that pride is always bad, but in that instance, it's right. like your pride is keeping you cold. Mm. Yeah. And we, uh, I get that though. It's embar- It's embarrassing to not make it on your own. Like there's, yeah. there's a big issue. We we talk about the American dream quite a mm. bit and the the problems with and. Um, what is the American dream in 2021? Right. right, but if you if if you just take like the twenty twenty two, that's the maybe the maybe idea. Yeah, <laughs> um, if you take maybe the idea from like the seventies, eighties, nineties that people would say is the American dream. You can you can have a house and a family and and do really well for yourself. Well, um, we're brought up with this as a you can do it kind of way of thinking, but yeah. that only brings shame yep. when you don't. Yep. Like it, if you can't provide everything that you're told you can when you're a kid, then when you don't, you, you feel like a piece of crap. Yeah. And so to have to call mom and dad and say, I don't have a house like yeah. that. That's not something you can just do. No, not in today's world. Because you failed if you if you yeah. do that. Yeah. You, you feel like a failure. Yeah. America That's... likes to idolize doing it alone. Yeah. 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 Even though the reality is like, I had someone take me through the practice of like, okay, let's break it down. You think you did it all on your right. own, <laughs> all by yourself. Right. Let's start naming some people that actually yeah. helped you get there. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not real. Right. But we've created this like ideology around doing it solo and that we all have to be prodigies. Like we all have to like, everybody's got to be the top dog. Mm -hmm. Like it's not okay to just work at McDonald's or work at a grocery store. Well, guess what? If the clerk lady wasn't there ringing up my groceries, I wouldn't have groceries. Why, why if don't you we... work there, you have to, you know, be the manager or be the owner. Yeah, or, or you're yeah. a college student or a high yeah. school student, so it's okay. But God forbid you be like a single 40-year-old mother. Right. But, I mean, like, why why wouldn't we idolize the person who's, yeah. who's bagging groceries? They're doing a hell of a lot more than I do here today. <laughs> I uh, like, what do I do? I do a lot of praying and helping people through their junk. You know what? That's the same thing the bagger at Fred Meyer's doing right now. Yeah. They're like, they're taking on the, the frustrations of hundreds of people per hour. Yeah. That like, it's a lot to take on. And let me be honest. There was once when I was living in Seattle, I definitely had a mental breakdown at a dollar store. And got real honest with the clerk there. Uh, <laughs> so really, like, yeah. I mean, they do a whole lot. And he got to see me at one of my worst moments. Yeah. And he was a weirdly there for me. It was a real, <laughs> 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 you know, yeah. like. Yeah, it, they do. They do good work. It's um, I've I've said, like, if it's possible, everyone should work either in uh, the service industry or food service in some way. I I haven't worked at a grocery store, but like I said, I worked. uh fast food for a couple of years and uh, pizza delivery for others. Pizza delivery was a little better. But, like mm. people still get mad at you, especially if you're not quick. Yeah. But, yeah, you're um, late. but sometimes you get stuck behind trains. That is a thing that happens. Mm. I'm oh. sorry, people who didn't get your pizza exactly in 15 minutes. It's <laughs> like trains go slow and you get stuck anyway. Sidebar. Uh, you still hold some emotions with I that. I hold in a lot of emotions all the time. Uh, pizza delivery is a little less so because people are excited when you get there. And also, you get people at their house, and so they say and do some weird crap. <laughs> weird stuff. Like, people are... People are strange in their house. You know, like someone opens the door in boxers and tells me, hey, you want to see my new gun? I'm like, no. No, I think I'm good. (laughs) Also, put some pants on, dude. What like um people come in totally wasted. It's 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 a whole thing. Anyway, uh, but at at KFC, 
you're just treated like the scum of the earth. Yeah. All the time. All the damn time. You're treated like an idiot, stupid, stupid person who, if they just go to college and get an education, would be a better and more productive member of society. Like, that's a that's a garbage thought to have. Oh, my gosh. So garbage. That's a garbage thought to have. But we... We have it so even to bring it back. If uh, some of your houseless friends got a job, they're still being treated like garbage. Yep. Yeah. What a crappy situation that we're giving to a whole um, group of people in society. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do we treat people like crap so much? Why I would we no do idea. that? I think it's dumb. Oh gosh! I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It's true, you know, because then there's. It I puts invited this you image. here to let all this out. That's, I, <laughs> I love it. We didn't. No, we didn't good. actually want you on the podcast. I just had some things to say. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast of therapy one on one. There's a flip. For no, you. no, not therapy for you. Therapy. No, no, for I'm, others. Yes. <laughs> you know, but. I mean, you bring up a good point, though, of like there is no winning. And so people, you know, wonder why so many people just give up, especially our houseless friends. If they're struggling with houselessness and they've got everybody coming at them like you just need a job, you need to do this. Well, okay, they get that, you know, Mm. part time job at KFC and they're making a little money and they're proud of them. And then they have everybody else that's like. KFC, that's trash. Like, that's not good enough. So then they're trying to find where are they good enough? And they realize nowhere, even if you end up Mm. somehow coming from houselessness to being some CEO of the top company in America, you're still somehow trash. So why try? Shouldn't the American dream... I know someone at our local McDonald's who is currently houseless and works at that McDonald's. Mm Mm-hmm. Shouldn't that be the American dream? I mean, if anything, if anything, she's working her butt off and still can't afford a home, which is its own issue. Yeah. Um, But she's she's working her butt off and people treat her like garbage. Mm. Yeah. So how do you how do you win in this life, man? You can't (laughs) unless you make it to a certain level. I think you can. It's just we have to redefine or just throw away the American dream and realize, are you doing your best? Then that's the dream. Yeah. Are you fighting hard every freaking day? Are you proud of yourself? Then that's the dream. And that's what's worth celebrating. Right. And we should give more kudos to people who are doing that. Yes. And in a in a shitty situation. Like, you know what? You are, and and you're working your butt off, and you know what? You woke up today, <laughs> and that's a big deal. Yeah, we... If you're in the worst situation, just waking up is, and like, a, a huge thing on its own. Yeah. Let's celebrate the crap out yeah. of that. Yeah, celebrate <laughs> all the moments. We yeah. we had a woman that we've been serving. We call her Mama Cat. Okay. She, uh, I'm not... I'm not allowed to have favorites, but if I had to pick one, Mama Cat would be on the top. Uh, We've been serving her almost twice a week since August, Mm -hmm. and she just got into transitional housing on Monday, and we celebrated with her on Sunday during our walkabout, and one of the comments she had made um, was, I know I'm not there yet, but at least it's something. It was like, no, no, no. The fact that you're going from a tent now to a roof over your head, that's incredible. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the you should, you need tos. Celebrate this moment because that's huge. So many people don't get into transitional housing. And so celebrate that moment. And Mm. so I just... we, We put so much emphasis on... A destination on achieving, mm. um, on well, success. That's why I think this podcast is so <laughs> brilliant. Um, <laughs> you can't do that, man. <laughs> I think this is we can use brilliant. We're, we're so smart, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm glad the whole world gets to hear how smart we are. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but there's because there is there's no there's no 
end and it's always something more but when we can uh, when we can find joy in the journey or fulfillment not yeah. just joy but like purpose when we can find purpose and fulfillment and meaning in in as we are you know not in where we're going not in where we're heading but just in the fact that we are heading and um something i appreciate we are we're working with our new church of you know identifying our core values and one of them that has come up is is growth mm. um Love not that. you know our value isn't that you have arrived at somewhere you know or that you become this perfect disciple of jesus but just that you are growing that you are like in, um engaged in the journey um and so whatever whatever that looks like and that's not I think we we think of that also like towards a specific trajectory. So maybe you do have an accident and you end up on the streets. But it's not like that you've regressed. That's still part of your journey. Yeah. Um and uh and being learning to be present with each other in in the journey. Um it's in like this rat race that we're all in. Ugh, yeah. Um, it's a, and nobody really likes it, but no, but yet we, we all all, keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah. We all keep going around and around and around. Yeah. That's Um, something we, we also talk about a lot at BPM is redefining progress, mm. you know, which could tie into success. You know, we, the world likes to define success of like, do you have like a hundred K in your bank? Then sweet, you made it, (laughs) you know, like now the reality is like very few do, Um, and if you do, I would imagine you're unhappy somehow. So how is that success going for you? But, um, cause I get asked a lot, you know, how are you helping people get out of houselessness? How are you helping to end houselessness of like, I'm like, is that the goal here? Cause I don't know about you. I read the Bible. I'm pretty sure Jesus does say there's always going to be poor, but like, also that's just not a goal of ours. Our goal is like, do people feel loved? The fact that we have some guests that show up each week, that's progress. The fact that there are people who feel safe under the bridge, that's progress. Mm -hmm. Or the fact that there's some of our guests where they first come and they're, you know, a little rough around the edges. And then all of a sudden they're helping us pass out food or helping us pass out hot cocoa. I'm like, that's success. That's progress. Because when they showed up, that was not where their heart was. Also, who's... Who's telling you are are you helping get people out of houselessness? Like you can more than you think. Here's here's <laughs> the here's the thing, and this shouldn't need to be said. Mm-hmm. You can't just hand a person a key to a house and say go nuts. Yeah, no. Like in the same way that you can't just hand someone a hundred dollars and say take care of yourself. Like that. Yeah. Um, that's that's great. There's also um, things like training. There's things like caseworkers. And there's things like meeting immediate needs that also need to happen beyond just having handing someone a key to a house. There are hundreds of organizations and uh, and tens of thousands of people, uh, individuals on the ground doing all kinds of work, doing the same work that you are, which ultimately, yeah, yeah, hopefully ends with people not living on the street. And you are a piece of that. That's not, that's not an argument saying you're not helping people get out of houselessness. There are how, how many thousands of things that need to happen to get a person to that point. It's not a simple solution. It's not a simple solution. (laughs) And then what loving people and, and helping their immediate needs is a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what becomes more important, you know, like somebody being housed or somebody being loved. Um, and that like you can give somebody keys, but if they don't have, if they're not loved, if they're, you know, not engaged in a community, yeah. then they're going to end up in the exact same anything. spot that they started. Then you can have, and I'm. Uh, this might sound like a stereotype, but less of one than you'd probably think, someone like an alcoholic and a narcotics abuser. That yeah. happens from loneliness and isolation. Yeah. Right. It just we, does. 
Like, so just uh, handing someone keys yeah, that yeah. can end wow. up throwing them in a terrible so situation. That's, yeah, yeah that's not a symptom of houselessness, but um, but that becomes a symptom of loneliness. and, and That can happen. There's, like, there are more um, white... I'm not quoting. I shouldn't say more. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very sure I'm right and that I've read this. More... More um, narcotic and, and opiate users who are uh, well off than on the street because, like, uh, yeah. loneliness, isolation, um, things like that, those happen when you have a house, too. Yeah. Like, people... And it's, it's lonely at the top. Yeah. That's people, what people don't, t- they don't... They don't mention enough. People I need know... more than just a, a key to a house. I know more functional addicts yeah. who are really rich... Than I honestly do, that live on the streets uh-huh. who are true true addicts. And and what you're doing right now is um, giving them sort of a foundation that as they um, transition into housing gives them a better foundation so they won't possibly yeah. become um, you know housed addicts who yeah. hello can end up back on the street. Absolutely, <laughs> like, yeah. That, that's that's not a cycle you want. I don't understand, <laughs> like why someone could say what you're doing isn't moving somewhat. Like yeah. like it's an when when Portland declares a state of emergency, mm-hmm. it's because it is an emergency. Yeah, and we need everyone moving in the same direction, and yeah. you're you're doing that. I don't. This I hope so. Anyway. I feel <laughs> like. I don't know. This just all makes sense to me, and I don't understand how it doesn't make sense to everyone, but maybe it's... It doesn't make sense to everyone. And it, it can be frustrating. Yeah. I try and give grace to those people that don't understand, of like, you just must be ignorant somehow. Uh-huh. And I feel sorry for you, because I have met some of the coolest, most life-changing people on the streets. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite... I like... My friends that don't have a home, sometimes more than I like my friends that do have a home. Yeah. You know, and. Yeah, because we suck. Right? <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's, it's cool. No, but I mean, the reality is one, the people we serve, they know how to function in community because mm. they truly yeah. have to. Yes. And w- when you have a home where you have what we call community, of like you have friends and whatnot, but it's like, do you know how to rely on them? Like there's some communities that we serve that, you know, are tent communities and you have the person that goes every Wednesdays to the shower and they take a good load or you have the people who go to the food banks. Like everybody has a role. Mm -hmm. And in a way that is truly like if one piece falls, then the whole community falls in a very unique and beautiful way. And we we don't necessarily function a whole lot. One may say like, oh yeah, we do. I rely on the person at the grocery store. Will you pay them? Yeah. Is that relying on them? Yeah, that's not community. Yeah, it's very different. It's not, you know, community as in like in your like soul, in your people, people community. Mm -hmm. Like when you find a place like that where you fully, you have a place and you matter fully, why why would you want to enter back into American society? Right, right. I get a lot of people, there are some people we meet and we serve, and I ask them, you know, those questions when I feel like, okay, you're part of a real community here. Mm-hmm. Like, what keeps you here? Why why don't you try and enter back into normal society? And they're like, why would I want to do that? There's mm. no place for me there. When I'm there, it, it goes back to the conversation of, like, when they enter back into normal society, they're treated like trash yeah. versus here... They are valuable. They have a place. They have meaning. They're like, I take, I make sure everybody has clean clothes every week. That's my job. Like, mm-hmm. they need me here. Yeah. I am seen here. I am known here. Why would I want to go back into a society that they look at me and they judge me and they hate me? Doesn't matter how hard I try versus here, even if I mess up and maybe I miss a week and I'm not able to get to the showers, they still look at me and they're like, hey, it's all right. We love you. Do you want dinner? Mm. Let's go make dinner over the fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. So I don't I don't blame those people yeah. who have a hard time transitioning out of houselessness no. because they found purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a lack of purpose is just 
American society, man. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like that's just what it is. Um, why why would a purpose driven life sell twenty million copies if not <laughs> because people feel a lack of purpose? Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that houselessness actually offers a person a a sense of purpose and belonging that they don't yeah. get otherwise. Yeah. yeah. And yet so many people looking on the outside, they're like, these lazy people, these folks, they put on these stereotypes. But then when you go in, you're like, oh, my God, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Right. And there's times I've never felt so loved than when I'm under the bridge, than I'm serving or even sometimes just sitting on the sidewalk, having conversations with my Mm -hmm. friends who maybe they look a little different and they live life a little differently, but they love me for me. If oh. there's weeks where I'm like, I'm so sorry, we ran out of stuff. They're like, that's cool. You want to sit down and chat anyway? Let me tell you about this awesome thing that I found. Or they just want to be in conversation with with me. And it's like, I have nothing for you. Yeah. And you still love me and want to hang out with me anyway. Yeah, uh, There's not a whole lot of friendships that run that way. Yeah. In today's world, mind right. you. Not a, that's... Not it. Right. No, no, you can knock, you can knock society. <laughs> oh no, I'm just. That's kind I do. Of our I do MO. have other friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For if any of my friends are listening, I do love you. <laughs> we we have like ten listeners. It's cool. They probably are. Last week was six, so that's a big improvement. There you go. Did we have six last week? I don't know. Well, that's what we said. We never, did. we never keep, <laughs> we never keep track of our, we've, we've not once kept track of our stats. But, but usually, like we get surprised, you know, like, yeah, oh, we, what, we get surprises. People like, say, hey, I appreciated that. Like, you, wait, you listened. Cool. Awesome. You know Sweet. of us? Like that. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Um, it's it. pr- I mean, again, we're brilliant. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Best place ever. I mean, ever. The pod, this podcast yeah. is, I think, I mean, the, uh, this, yeah, this idea of unsuccess. Well, let's not redefine success. Let's throw it out, and I'm gonna get on my soap wagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah. Well, thank you for being here and functioning as my de facto therapist today. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It's you. my dream to actually uh, be a therapist. So I'll come back really? in like five years, and it will just turn it around. It's, Are you really wanting to? Yeah, it's, yeah we'll, it's a dream. That of mine. would be cool. And yeah, Lex will have us as guests. Yes. Hopefully. On my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and her podcast will actually be successful. Yeah, Su- that's true. Successful therapy? That's true. What is successful I was therapy? actually thinking about uh, therapy myself. Not, I mean, I'm in therapy. but <laughs> We I, should all be in I, therapy. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. It's great. Um, no, I... I was, I was talking in a previous episode because we were talking about um, uh, doubt and deconstruction and stuff and... Um, in the throes of it for me when I was like, I can't be thinking these things and still function as a pastor um, for like months. Yeah. I was like, I, I guess I got to hang this thing up. And uh, therapy was kind of the track that I, I was thinking if I couldn't do this, um, like not only what are my skill sets, but like, what do I like and what I like, is helping people navigate life slowly. Yeah. And so that was that but but man, I already did eight years of post high school um <laughs> uh schooling. I did college. I did four years of graduate work. You just want another I gotta four. go back to school. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I just I I did that. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm I'm still here for now. But yeah I'm still if, here. if if you do go into therapy and I go into therapy, we should start a practice here. There um, we go. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Now I we're dreaming. You were say start a podcast. Yeah. No, nah. no. We'll just, we'll just my uh, my ultimate dream, and I just found out about this organization called Bridges to Change. Yeah. That mobilized mental health. Yeah. Uh, but the image I had a few months ago was mobilizing trauma therapy. And then to come to find out there there is an organization here in Portland that basically already does that. I'm like, yeah, hell, bridges to change. Hell is yeah, great. dude. Yeah. Hook up with them. I'm gonna start a I'm gonna start a practice called Broken Bridges, <laughs> and it'll be 
the, the icon will be one of Portland's bridges, like caved in. Yeah. I expect it to be wildly uh, successful. And yeah, impactful. it'd be after the As earthquake. It right. Too, so. <laughs> right, right. Well, thanks for being here. We appreciate yes. you, Lex. Where can people find you online? Um, yeah, they can find BPM at our website on bpmpdx.org, or they can email us at info at bpmpdx.org. You're a good, like, salesman spokesperson for... because she's an for, eight. Because we, we, we just started talking to you, and you went, like, a 10-minute pitch for Because People Matter. I was like, she is a pro at this. <laughs> well, it's cool, Dang. too. It's evident that, you know, she is behind the mission and the vision mm-hmm. because it's... Yeah, because it it's right. It's the right. Like she's passionate about it. You were trying not to say because people matter. You But that's what's cool. With, like with an organization, or like when people are really excited, when people who work for it are really excited yeah. about yeah. the work, um, and passionate about the work. You know, it it's easy to sell it. Because, oh yeah. Half the time, I don't feel like I'm selling. It. I'm right. just telling people about my life. Yeah. Like this passion, is what I yeah. do, and right. it makes sense. Yeah, you know, and it helps like when I I describe it like I fell in love with an organization, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's very real for me. It's not like, you know, some people describe it like, oh, you're married to your work. It's like that's one way to describe it. But like, no, I just passionately love it. Yeah. And I want to see it thrive. You're just having an affair with your wife. Yeah, I'm you're, just having you're that. really you're really into your <laughs> um, Yeah. We're, we're really good at metaphors here. So bpmpdx.org. Um yes. check it out, sign up to volunteer, get connected. That's another thing. BPM has this last year, they've been able to pivot and shift. And so there's lots of volunteer opportunities yes. um, and to be connected. So uh-huh. Well, thanks for being here. And Absolutely. for the Unsuccess Podcast, I'm David. And I'm the other guy. And we'll see you next time. No one knows your name anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going with that. I'm the, I'm well, the other it's guy. Called, I'm the-